Let's try a small poll for just a moment. Do you think of yourself as kind? Anybody raise their hand? Like to say, okay. We've got a few that would say they are. A few that, uh, who, who thinks they're not kind? Dare you raise your hand? How many, how many really don't want to vote one way or the other, or at least not publicly? Okay, got it. Here's, here's what uh, Shanti Feldman's research has shown. She spent the last 10 or 15 years looking at this idea of kindness. And she said that most people, now if we kind of took the poll a little bit more anonymously, you would say that you're kind. Most of us rarely think of ourselves, in fact, as unkind. And yet what her research shows is this is not exactly all true that it validates both of the points that most of us rarely think of ourselves as unkind and that we mostly think of ourselves as kind. But let me ask you a question. When did you last get your oil changed? You might say something like, well, I think it was just about three months ago. Something like that. And then you check, or at least if you're like me, you look and it was like a year. I don't know what happened at the time. And then for some of you, it's like, well, yeah, I think it was actually before the pandemic. You see, we live according to Feldhahn and I would say the Bible in a lot of self-delusion. We're just off in our perceptions. And I would say that's true about our kindness. In fact, one of her questions, we'll put up the question, is this, I express appreciation to my spouse a lot, more than once a day. And in fact, most of the responses she would get back, people would say, Oh, better than that, I do it well, yeah, well more than once a day, but in reality, when kind of tested, two to three times per week. Now, I don't know where you are in that continuum. I'm simply trying to point out that we have a perception, and then there's what's real, reality. You see, the self-delusion to see ourselves better than we really are, or at, at, at least in this area of kindness, is quite strong. That there is a gap between how we see ourselves and where we are. And the first goal of this series, we're in week two now, is to plainly see or begin to see where we are, not where we think we are. Or to say it another way, to by the time we get to Easter in this Lenten series and in this Lenten activity, that you, by the time we get to Easter, that you will be where you had started in theory. In other words, to make your practice fit your perception. 
So here's another related question. How do others actually see you? If you see yourself as kind, but they don't see you as that way, what's up with that? What then? So here's a related question. Can we measure our kindness? Could we put some measurements around it? Would that be possible? And this is the research that Feldhahn has been doing for quite some time. For instance, this question, how often do you express appreciation for your spouse or for your parents or for your preacher? For, you know, for your church family, for, uh, for, for the elders. Or this morning as we look into Luke 6, for your enemies. You see, step one then is awareness. That is to check for your blind spots. You may have kindness, blindness. Now, as corny as that sounds, I hope you'll think about that this week. If you don't know where you are, how are you going to get home? In other words, to reach where you should be. And this was the problem actually with the Pharisees in John chapter 9. They lacked, uh, lacked self-insight into their own spiritual condition. Into, in psychological terms, they were self-deluded. They had what the scripture describes as spiritual blindness. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And let's go ahead and put up verse 40. And this is what Jesus said to them. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, in other words, they saw themselves as better than they really were, your guilt remains. In fact, you may be more negative or unkind than you think you are. You may be unaware of how others feel about you. You may not be so hot at observing the dynamics, the body languages of others or the tone of voice. Especially if you're at a distance and it's so good to be coming back together as a church. Because when we get closer to one another, we get a little clearer about those things. But I suspect even this morning you may be judging others without even a true understanding of where they are in their life and how they're feeling and why, they're, why they are feeling this way. It's, it's one of the reasons that the, this quote is attributed to uh, Philo of Alexandria. I don't know if he actually said it. There's a lot of debate about who actually said it, but I like it. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And I'll bet that I could stand at the door and welcome people on Sunday morning and as they came in the door I could say hello and I could see whether I knew them or not or knew their situation or not or knew what had anything about their week I could say this I know you're going through a lot And I really feel for you, 
and I want to be praying for you. And I bet I would be pretty safe in that greeting to address their life. So this morning, my first big point is we have this blindness to our lack of kindness. And as we become aware of it, I want us to be in prayer and I want us to be asking others, do you see me as kind? Now, you might not want to do that indiscriminately. You might want to, you know, pick some folks who can kind of do that in a, in a level manner. But, uh, and then I want you to go out to the website, and I'll reference it here in just a moment. It's called jointhekindnesschallenge.com. You can take a picture of that so you can remember if you wouldn't mind. And I want, you, I mean, want to encourage you. I've sent uh, in advance out to the small group leaders, the connect group leaders, this particular website. There's a lot of great stuff on this, on this site, including, including some Bible studies because Shanti Feldhahn comes from a Christian perspective in what she's trying to do. Join the kindness challenge. And she has the challenge on there. And then every day you'll get an email that's pretty thought-provoking and challenging. But in addition to that, she has a kindness quotient assessment. Well, you can guess what that is. You kind of go through there and you rank yourself to see and to uh, evaluate, at least from your perspective, are you, how kind are you? I got a 29. That was out of 50. Okay, so not real good score there. But I, you know what I haven't done is gone to the next step and have Joyce rank me, you know, or, or have, have Becky rank me and see what my score would be in terms of the kindness challenge. In other words, to grow, to take that next step of, of awareness. So where do we go from here then? Once we've kind of come to grips with the awareness, praying and asking others and taking the kindness challenge, I think we've got to take some action. And the 30 days of kindness is all about action. Kindness at the end of the day isn't just something that stays in your mind. That's niceness. But kindness expresses itself to other people. And so we've got to take some action. So we're going to go back to Luke 6 for just a couple of minutes here. And in Luke 6 is the passage that Jeff read. And then I've got this just 27 through 31, which is a lot of words on one slide. I just about maxed it out. Can you see it? But I, we're going to read through that, and, uh, and, and the, in the text, the headline in the NIV says, love your enemies. And every time I read a section at this moment in time, my mind goes to enemies, and I think about what all that's going on in the Ukraine, and all the bombs that are falling there, and how the hostility has rising, and how enemies are being created. However, while I cannot speak for you, at least because I'm unaware of exactly what is in your story, I don't know about you, but I don't think I have so many enemies. So in some ways, it's a little hard to read that section of Scripture in Luke chapter 6, love your enemies. Now, maybe you know about enemies that I have that I don't know. So that would be, that, that, that'd be good to discover that. It's not that I haven't had them, but, but most of the time, I don't know that they're really enemies, even the people that are disagreeable or disagree with me. 
Doesn't mean I like everyone equally or everyone is crazy about me in the same way. Nor does it mean that I'm kind. I'm simply saying to some degree, this section of scripture is a little hard to relate to because of so few enemies. So I was together with Eric McPherson earlier in the week, and he gave me a different word. And we're going to use that word for just a moment. And uh, he, he, found, he read it in a book, and I thought, oh, this is a really interesting way of looking at, at this text. I'm going to reframe this just a minute. And for where we see the word enemies, I am going to put in the word, and I think suddenly this is going to resonate with everybody in the auditorium. Here's the word, the substitute for the word enemy. It is the word irritant. Everybody with me? So here's how we might read this together. We'll replace enemy with irritant, and so the text reads something like this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your irritants. Do good to those, now follow along closely on the, on the slide, to those who irritate you, I say, or bless those who irritate you. Pray for those who irritate you. If someone, that irritant, slaps you on one cheek, then turn to the irritant the other also. If your irritant takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from that irritant. Give to every irritant who asks you. And if the irritant takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to the irritant as you would have them do to you. How'd you like that reading? At this point, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Anybody can relate? You read that and you go, wow. Except by the grace of God, except by the reach of Jesus Christ, except by the perfect one who went to the cross and died on my behalf, I don't know how I could say, I'm a Christian, because that is some tough stuff. But this main point, love your enemy, opens this section and then is illustrated beyond this verse in verse 32, and then is summarized in verse 35. And I want to put up verse 35 so you see how the whole block of Scripture works together. While it's labeled love your enemies, okay? or love your irritant, as we've read, notice verse 35. But love your enemies, do, or your irritants, do good to them, in other words, it's repeated, and uh, to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He, who? Because God is, notice the word, Kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. 
All right. Then the point is treat your irritants with kindness. Let's look at it for just another minute or two in a little more depth. And there are seven things after he says love your enemies that are being described here. In other words, I think there are seven ways of expressing this love for your irritant. Do good to those who irritate you. Or the message says, let them bring out the best in you. You see, we're in control of our life and actions, not the irritant. The Passion Translation, in fact, says, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return. Don't you like that? Do something wonderful. This is a plot. I am going to plot against my irritants to do something wonderful for them. Number two, bless those who irritate you. To bless them is another way to say, I want to invoke God's favor on them, God's grace on them. To speak well of this irritant before God and to God. What a thought. Number three, pray for those who irritate you. Let me just ask it as a question. Is this a regular part of your routine? Could it become one? Think of how transformational that would be if on a regular basis we were praying for the irritants. I might suggest that we don't know squat about kindness. If we are unwilling to come to grips with our own hostility and indifference to those who irritate us. Would that be a misreading of the passage? You tell me. Maybe sometimes we have simply forgotten God. I know it's not our job to settle accounts. And Jesus asked his disciples to pray that the Lord would have mercy on those who caused Jesus and the disciples harm. So are you praying for your irritants? Number four, respond to aggressive irritation with kindness. This is simply a paraphrase of the text again. I didn't venture far from what Jesus said in the words that are, are right there, red-lettered in our Bible. Offer someone who strikes you on the cheek the other. Most likely that strike on the cheek was the backhanded slap of insult. The next time you're insulted, treat it with kindness. Now, I don't know about you, but this raises about a thousand questions in my mind because I am so far from practicing what Jesus is asking. But the text goes on, number five, be generous to those who are irritatingly selfish. In other words, give your shirt to the person who steals your coat. Now, if any other person than Jesus would have said this, I might have told them to get lost. <laughs> Why would I tolerate or reinforce bad behavior like that? 
except that God himself is so remarkably generous to me. When I am a selfish irritant, Number six, give to every irritant who asks. So that, that means you can't like, okay, I see the irritant on that side of the auditorium. I think I'll go out this way. You ever had that happen? Well, what if they misuse it? What if the irritant doesn't uh, say thank you? What if they're not taking personal responsibility for themselves? What if the irritant is not in our zip code? Sometimes how we think about church work. You know, Jesus apparently had no idea how to run a church. We've got other rules around here. The text says, give to everyone who asks. Well, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's not wise. That's not prudent. That's not good governance. That could be poor stewardship. That's not in the budget. That's not approved by the elders. And the head of the church, that's not the elders. It's Jesus Christ says, give to any irritant who asks. Can I get an amen? Of course, we might say to ourselves, he surely didn't mean what he said. I mean, not this time. Okay. I mean, sometimes he means what he says, because we know there are passages in Scripture where he clearly means what he says, but that can't be one of them, can it? Or does he? That's why I said the text raises a thousand questions. Number six, do to your irritants what you would, this is seven, I'm sorry, would want them to do to you. What you would want from them. It's simply the golden rule. Practiced by Confucius and Aristotle, Aristotle and Plato in a, a little different form. In other words, their way of looking at it was more about responding in kind, kindness for mutual benefit. One is to be kind in order to produce a kind response or reward. But the kindness Jesus sets out here, it appears unconditional because it's tied to the verse we read previously, verse 35, the Father's heart toward us, his actions of kindness. Some ways we could say this whole section is uh, the impossible command. And I tried to say this last week, and I'm going to we'll be finished here that uh, as we looked at the super powers, the superpower of kindness, in fact, our main slide says, use your superpowers of kindness. What I'm trying to drive at is not a Marvel figure 
at the end of the day, but the fact that you cannot do this on your own. Jesus' command is out of reach. This kind of call to kindness, yes, we're to practice it, but we can't. At least certainly not without God's supernatural intervention in your life. Without trust and confidence that you belong to him and can be forgiven over and over in this journey. Without trust and confidence in the Holy Spirit of God working in you to allow you not to react to everything, but to respond to others in the very way that we see Jesus responding. So I finish again today with our final slide. Use your superpower. Not your power, not your natural self, but your faith and your trust in the Holy Spirit to first of all become fully self-aware of where you are within the kindness challenge. Take the kindness quotient this week. Respond online to the website. Start the 30-day challenge and then take action. Take action to bless others, to take on even irritable energy and repurpose it with positivity and grace toward other people. Take action to be kind to your irritants.